What's good, church family and friends? I pray you're all delighting in the Lord this morning. Um, what, a, what a joy it is to, to gather as God's people around his word in prayer and worshiping him together. So I pray you're encouraged this morning. Hey, let me extend another warm welcome to uh, any first-time visitors or guests this morning. Hey, welcome once again. So glad that you could join us uh, this morning. Chances are that you probably don't know me, and so let me introduce myself a little bit. My name is Joshua Rolak, and I'm um, a husband and a father, and by God's grace, the pastor of Congress Heights Community Church which is a new church being planted out of ARC in the Congress Heights area this April. And so Congress Heights, like Anacostia, is another uh, neighborhood in Southeast DC uh, where there is plenty to celebrate and um, a lot of different challenges, um, a lot of beauty, and, and yet also a lot of brokenness um, and where in addition to some of the faithful churches that are already in the area, a great need, a huge need for more gospel-centered churches. And so by God's grace, 13 people uh, so far have committed and confirmed a call to plant Congress Heights Community Church. So we're excited for the days ahead, uh, but we do covet your prayers. Uh, specifically this afternoon as we'll be going out to Congress Heights to share the gospel and pray with our neighbors there. And also, if you could be praying for later this evening, we'll be gathering as a core team. Um, we'll be gathering together to, to grow with one another, to uh, encourage one another, um, to care for one another, and seek to be on mission together. And so if you can pray for those things, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Hey, if you would like to learn more about Congress Heights Community Church or ways that you can be praying for us, um, feel free to drop me an email at the email address that you'll see pop up on the screen here. Um, I would love to further talk with you about the church and what the Lord is up to and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. All right, so last week we kicked off a new sermon series in the book of Jonah called The Gospel According to to Jonah. Now, you might be like, hold up, Josh, you, you're tripping. Um, there's already four Gospels in the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and yeah, you're right, uh, there, there is. Um, but the sermon title or the series title uh, really points to a reality that in the book of Jonah, as Pastor Tony Carter says, uh, we see the story of redemption in miniature. And so what that means is, is that in the four chapters of Jonah, uh, we see the tenets of the gospel on display. So in the book of Jonah, we see uh, God being the creator of all things, uh, including me and you. Um, we see the sinfulness of humanity and then God's righteous wrath being poured out um, due to uh, disobedience and uh, sin. Um, and then we, we also see uh, the salvation of the Lord. We see the redemption of the Lord and the response of his people, uh, which is repentance and faith. And so last week we looked at Jonah chapter one, verses one through 16. 
And we saw that God gave Jonah a clear command, but Jonah disobeyed and as a result experienced the wrath of God due to him because of his sin. Jonah tried to run from an all-knowing, all-powerful, present everywhere at all times God and found out firsthand that it didn't take much for God to catch up with him. So this week we pick up this story in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 and we'll read through chapter 2 verse 10. And so go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 and we'll read on through chapter 2 verse 10. And as you turn there, let me offer a word of prayer for us this morning. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we, we do thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for the time to dig in your word. And so God, I pray that you would bless uh, this time um, as your word is preached. God, would you um, be glorified in it, Lord? And would you use it um, as only you can to save sinners and to edify the body? And so God, I pray that you would do just that and that you would yeah, be, be worshipped now. May your word be the pinnacle of our time, the pinnacle of our worship as it is. So bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, on through chapter 2 verse 10, it reads as follows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the word of God. So if you're taking notes this morning, the main point of our time this morning in this passage is this. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You see Jonah making this declaration at the end of verse 9 as we'll get to it. Uh, but really, this is the main point of the whole book of Jonah. Salvation belonging to the Lord. Um, and it's really the whole point of the Bible, really, isn't it? Uh, from Genesis to Revelation, you see the outworking of the Lord saving his people. You see this from Genesis to Revelation, that, that the outworking of the scriptures is God saving his people. 
and praise God that he saves. Amen. So I only have two points for us this morning to tease out the salvation of the Lord in this passage. And here they are. Point number one, the Lord provides. And we'll see that from chapter one, verse 17. So the Lord provides. Point number two, Jonah prays. Jonah prays. And we'll see that from chapter two, verses one through 10. And then I have two sub points under that main point of two. And the two sub points are this, repentance. And so we'll see that teased out uh, from verses one through six A. Um, but then B, renewed faith. So renewed faith, and we'll see that teased out uh, in verse six of chapter two, six B on through verse 10. And so point number one, the Lord provides. The Lord provides. Look back with me at chapter 1, verse 17, and it says this. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So as we saw last week in our time together, Jonah is a prophet, and he's been walking with God and serving as a prophet for some time. Jonah was given a clear command to go to Nineveh, but Jonah sinned against God by disobeying his command, and he attempted to go to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. He hops on a ship thinking he could get away from God, uh, but God in his power, in his wrath, sends a powerful storm. This storm not only affects Jonah, but it also affects everyone else on the ship. The people are afraid, you remember? The people are afraid and have to make a tough decision that could cost Jonah's life, one that he approved of anyway, as we saw last week in our time, and one that ultimately God approved of. The people have to toss Jonah into the sea. And Jonah could have died. He could have died, but, but guess what? The Lord provides. The Lord provides. And so what does he provide? Well, he provides safety for Jonah. He saves Jonah's life by appointing a great fish to swallow him up. He appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah up. Now, now just a, a few quick things about this great fish. Um, isn't that crazy? <laughs> A, a, a great fish swallowing up a man? That's insane. People have debated for years and years if this story could even be true. Some of us, when we were growing up, probably grouped the story of Jonah in with one of them other stories like uh, the three little pigs or Rapunzel or something along those lines. But those children's stories aren't actually real. They're fake. Sorry, kids. They're, they're, they're actually not real. But this story about a great fish swallowing up Jonah is real and it's true. How can I be sure of this? Well, well three, quick thing, three quick things. Excuse me. One, God is our sovereign creator. So Jonah was correct when he told the mariners back in uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that his God is Yahweh. And he's the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Since this is true, 
God can create anything and do anything as he so pleases. So God is the sovereign creator. Eric Randon says this in commenting on the great fish. He says this, he says, if scripture has said the Lord raised up a shrimp and it swallowed Jonah, it would be true. God is the sovereign creator. He could create a shrimp way bigger than Jumbo that could swallow a man whole. <laughs> Do you believe that? God being the sovereign creator, that in his ability to create, he could create anything that could do any purpose that he so deems. Do you believe that this morning? And so the second thing is this, that God's word is true. Listen to how, how Paul speaks of God's word in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So something we have to know here is that God is the original author of scripture. Yes, he used imperfect men to pen the very pages that we have on scripture, to pen the very words that we have on scripture. But do you know who was controlling the pen? God. God was sovereignly controlling the pen. God is the original author of scripture. And so the book of Jonah is scripture, which is God's word inspired by him, breathed out by him. And it's true because God is not a God that can lie. It's not in his character. It's not who he is. He can't lie. Listen to Romans 3, 4. As it says this, it says, Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. So God's word uh, is true. Not only is he the sovereign creator, not only is uh, God's word true, but lastly, Jonah was a real person. Jonah was a real person. <laughs> uh, he had a real dad, and his name was Amittai. We saw that last week in Jonah 1.1, where it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. So Jonah was a real person who existed in real time. So based on these truths and probably more, we can believe that the story of Jonah is true with full confidence. We can believe that it's true. God being our sovereign creator, the word being true, being God's word, and, and Jonah being a real person. And ultimately, we have to remember this, as we even saw last week in our time, ultimately, the book of Jonah is not about Jonah. And it's not about a great fish. Instead, it's about a great God. So it's not about Jonah. It's not about a great fish. It's instead about a great God. And this great God rescues Jonah in his rebellion. In his disobedience, 
he is rescued by God. So the great fish is a picture of God's great mercy shown towards Jonah in saving him from the death that he deserved. The Lord provides and pursues Jonah even though he ran from him. Jonah was being disciplined in some ways by the Lord for his disobedience. And know that the Lord will discipline those of us who are believers when we disobey too. And, and something I want you to know about discipline from the Lord is that it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a good thing and it's for our good. It's that when we disobey, we have a loving father who corrects us, who yeah, loves us in correction. And so listen to how the author of Hebrews puts it. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11. Verse 5 says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you see that, that the Lord disciplines his children, and it's a good thing to, to, to be a believer and to not be disciplined by the Lord, as even the text says, might very well mean that you may not be a believer. And so, the discipline of the Lord is a good thing towards us, so may we receive it when it comes. So what great provision, what great mercy, mercy that has even pursued all of us who have put our trust in Jesus. You see, this is what the second part of verse 17 points to. Look back with me at Jonah chapter 1 verse 17b. What does it say? It says, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah being in the belly of the fish three days and three nights points to Jesus's life, death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it points to. You don't believe me? Well, uh, listen to Jesus, who is God, who says it of himself. Listen to it. As it says here in Matthew chapter 12, verses 40 through 41. It says this, for Jonah, for just as Jonah, excuse me, was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, 
For they've repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So do you see that? That uh, this right here in, in, in the story of Jonah is, is a typology of, of Jesus. What that means is, is that Jonah is a, is a type of the one who was to come. And seeing that here Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, this is a, a pointing to what ultimately would happen in the Lord Jesus' life by him obeying the Father, even to the point of death and death on the cross and being buried in the grave and being resurrected on the third day. And then look at the end of verse 41. What, what does it say? It says something greater than Jonah is here. So this even shows us that Jesus was greater than Jonah. Now look at Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 4. It says this, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. So, so what is this sign? Well, it's Jesus' death. It's his burial and his resurrection in our place for us, for you. You see, Jonah's rescuing by God points us to the ultimate rescue found only in Jesus. That's what it points to. That salvation belongs to the Lord and Him alone. And so this morning, if you are a believer, then that is evident of your life. It's evident of mine. That we can attest to the fact that salvation belongs to the Lord because He saved us. Wicked, sinful people who disobey him like Jonah, who rebelled against him and ran away from him. And he pursued us in his love. He pursued us in his grace. His mercy chased us down. He ran us down in his grace and saved us. Not based on anything that we did or could have done or imagined to do, but by his grace, through faith. Praise God. May we rejoice in that good news this morning, Christian. May we rejoice in that, that God has saved us. And if you're here this morning and um, this is foreign to you, um, you may not have heard about salvation being of the Lord, um, you uh, may not believe that you are a sinner. Uh, well, I, I, I want to tell you what the Bible says about you and me, is that you are a sinner and you are in need of Savior. And brother or sister, you cannot save yourself. The whole point of salvation being of the Lord is that uh, we need a salvation that's outside of us. <laughs> and because we can't save ourselves, we can't change our wicked hearts. We can't change our wicked minds, the evil thoughts that we might have. But God can, and God will. And so agree with God about your sin. Agree with God that you are a sinner, that you have broken all of his commands, that you have rebelled, like all of us who bear the name of Christ, like Jonah, that you rebelled against God, and you are deserving of his 
righteous wrath due to you. But in his mercy, in his grace, he sends Jesus, who we've been talking about. He sends Jesus, his son, to live a life that you and I could never live, to die a death that we all deserve on the cross because it was our sin that put him there. It was our sin that got Jesus hung on the cross, but he went there willingly and willfully for us. And he was crucified and he died. And he was buried in a grave three days. And on that third day, hallelujah, he rose beating death, beating sin, and, and offering in his resurrection life for you if you would only repent, which means to, to turn away from the sin that God hates, to turn away from the rebellion and turn to him, to believe on him that he is God, and that he is Savior, that he is Lord. And you know what will be true of you too? Like all of us who bear the name of Christ, you too will bear the name of Christ. You too will be born again, a Christian. And so I want to invite you to that this morning. If you don't remember anything else in this message, please remember that. Please remember that only Jesus can save you from your sins. And, and you have to come to him. So please, I beg you, I plead with you this morning. Come to him. Run to him. He desires that you would know him. He desires to save you. So come to him. Please come to him. So as we continue on, so we, we talked about the Lord providing, and so the, the Lord provides, but now we're going to transition to point number two, Jonah prays. Jonah prays. And as I mentioned with two subpoints, so we're going to see uh, the content of Jonah's prayer being repentance and renewed faith. And so isn't this the pro appropriate response when we sin against God? Um, this is the appropriate response, prayer, coming to him through prayer. And as he graciously rescues us. And so the content, as I already mentioned, of Jonah's prayer is repentance. And so the rebel repents. We note that back in Jonah 1.12, that it seems like Jonah acknowledged his sin before God, which is a step in repentance. So repentance is agreeing with God how he already views your sin and acknowledging it before him. In other words, confessing your sins to him. So confessing them to him and turning away from those sins and trust in him. And so notice now in verse one of chapter two that salvation had already come to Jonah in chapter one, verse 17, as we looked at earlier, and that God saved Jonah's life. Jonah was on the verge of dying because he was, remember, uh, thrown into the sea, off the ship. He's in the seas. The, the sea calms. 
it's raging, and then God in his care, in his provision, he provides a great fish to come and swallow him up. So God saves Jonah's life. And notice that Jonah's posture is different now. Uh, It's gone from pride, as we saw in chapter 1, it's gone from pride and disobedience in chapter 1 to a shunning of God's presence, as we also saw in chapter 1 last week, to to now receiving the provision of the Lord, as we saw in chapter 1, verse 17, and now responding in prayer. So look back with me at chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Here's what it says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. What I love about verse 1, chapter 2 is that it shows us the beauty of our personal relationship with God. So so, so check it. God never stopped being uh, Jonah's God in the midst of Jonah's disobedience. Did you you catch that? That He he never stopped being his God in the midst of his disobedience. He, He still pursued him. He still loved him. He still made provision for him. He still sought the good of Jonah. He sought after him. He continued to be his God. Now, I want to be clear that this isn't an encouragement to just go and send it up, right? To go live it up and send it up. No, we know Paul is very clear in Romans 6, verses 1 through 2, where he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? So this isn't a license to go sin. But what I am saying is that sometimes as believers, when we're caught up in disobedience, God will lovingly discipline us to get us back in the right direction. And what is that direction? Towards him. Towards him. We saw that in the Hebrews passage. Uh, we, we, We are seeing this in Jonah's life, right? Where, where God has been orchestrating. Jonah disobeyed. God is orchestrating and maneuvering um, in every way possible to get Jonah back on track to where he ultimately uh, desired for him to be with him uh, in his presence and, and carrying out his will. And so this is what God does for Jonah. This is also what God does for us. Um, And so the the moment uh, you're not being disciplined, as as I mentioned earlier by the Father, is a moment that you might want to confirm if you're actually His. Um, That that is a real thing. If you're not being, uh, yeah, disciplined by the Lord and and when you might disobey or, or Things along those lines, you you might actually want to check to see if you're actually his. And as we've been talking about the salvation being of the Lord, you can be his if that isn't true this morning. You can be his. You can come to him. You can receive him by faith. 
So verse 2 says that, that Jonah calls out to the Lord. Uh, and it says that, that Jonah calls out of his distress. Um, so this, this word distress is referring to the feelings of anxiety, pain, and fear that Jonah experienced being in the belly of the fish. Um, so, so being in the belly of the fish wasn't easy. <laughs> um, it was hard. And this is what he's communicating here. I mean, he's calling out to the Lord out of his distress. He's anxious. He's anguished. He's pained. He's filled with fear. Hasn't been an easy thing. But look at the hope in the middle of verse 2. What does it say? It says that he answered Jonah. That God actually answered Jonah. So Jonah calls out in his distress, and God answers him. Ah, if you would call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So call on him, and you will be saved. The verse continues to say that Jonah, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Do you see that? Ryan Estelle, in his book, The Gospel According to Jonah, uh, in talking about Sheol, it refers to a place of divine punishment, a curse often wished on the ungodly. So Sheol is... is not a place you would want to be, not a place you would want to go. It's, it's, it's not where Jonah wanted to be. And yet, this is right where he deserved to be because of his sin. And this is essentially right where God wanted him. Because it was at Jonah's lowest where he actually sought God. Or, or better yet, where God actually sought him. And the Lord heard his plea for help. He heard his cry for help. And so then in verse 3, Jonah acknowledges that it was the Lord who threw him into the sea. We know that from last week uh, that the mariners threw him in, but it was the Lord working sovereignly through them uh, that Jonah actually was thrown into the sea. It was the Lord working sovereignly through them. And so Jonah is just going through it, y'all. He's, he's going through it right now. He's anguished. Um, he's, 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 yeah, just uh, anxious, anguished, and, 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 and fearful, and in pain in light of all these different things. And then it says, it continues on, it says, he's in the heart of the seas. He's surrounded by water. The waves and billows, billows referring to clouds or, or smoke or steam, are passing over him. In verse 4, Jonah is being driven away from the Lord's presence, but hopeful as he resolves that he will look upon God's holy temple. And that phrase there is referring to praying towards the temple. So he's hopeful that he will yet look again to God's holy temple. Verses 5 through 6a, he believed that death was closing in. And, and, and that's essentially what it says. It says in verse 5, it says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land, whose bars closed upon me forever. So he believed that death was closing in, but, but look at verse 6b. 
as we walk through our last subpoint this morning. So Jonah's faith is renewed. His faith is renewed. He has a renewed faith as the Lord saves him. Look at what it says at the end of verse 6. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So the Lord brings Jonah up from the pit, from the lowest point. point. Uh, so the pit and Sheol and uh, essentially the valley of death, the Lord brings him up from that pit. And then in verse 7, he remembered the Lord and looked to him in prayer at a moment when he was dying. That's what it says. It says in verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. And so we see that, yeah, he remembers the Lord and looks to him in prayer in a moment when he was dying. And then in verses 8 through 9, Jonah takes the posture of the mariners back in chapter 1. Do you remember? Uh, they were calling out to their false idols, as you remember in chapter 1, but came to realize that there's only one true God. And so they once forsook God's steadfast love. Now they are actually recipients of it, just like Jonah. And so and then like the mariners, Jonah in verse 9 puts his stake in the ground of salvation belonging to the Lord alone. His previous experience with God saving him from the sea has renewed his faith and trust. So look back with me as we, we read this really. Those who pay regard to vain idols, verse 8, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So this is what the Lord has done in, in Jonah's heart. His faith is renewed. His trust is renewed in the only God that can save him, the Lord of salvation. And so what about you this morning? Has the Lord not redeemed you? Is his salvation not available to you if you aren't a Christian? Is his salvation not available to you if you would just call on him? It is. It is. So call on him, believer, and keep calling. That's the, the Christian life we We've called upon God and we keep calling him. We keep looking to him. We keep trusting him. We keep resting in Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. And call on him, sinner, and he will answer your need for salvation. And so I plead with you to call on him this morning. Jesus came, lived, died, rose for you in your place so that you might be justified, so that you might be saved, so that you might be with him for all of eternity. Only if you would repent to turn away from your idols, to turn away from your sin and turn to him and trust. Would you do that this morning?
Would you do that? Would you not delay? Today is the day of salvation for you. And so I, I, I want to invite you to him this morning. So look to him. Trust him. So now as we, we close this morning, look at the continued provision of the Lord uh, in verse 10. What does it say? It says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So uh, the Lord is pleased with Jonah's response here. And he commands the fish to put Jonah on dry land, as we see in the verse. And so we see the Lord sovereignly, uh, so far, I mean, just in chapter 1 and now, just he's sovereign over creation. Um, he's sovereign, as we see, over this, this great fish uh, to, to swallow up Jonah. He provides for Jonah in the midst of Jonah's disobedience. He rescues him from death. He ultimately rescued him in himself by saving him. And Jonah's response is prayer. He responds in prayer, in thankfulness, in repentance, and in renewed faith. And that's how the Lord wants us to respond as well. He wants us to put our stake in the ground, knowing that salvation only belongs to him. And he wants us to praise him for his provision that he has displayed towards us in his mercy, in his grace. He wants us to respond in repentance and faith. He's worthy of our worship this morning. Let's pray together. Father, you are worthy of our worship. We praise you for this time uh, that we've spent in Jonah. Uh, looking at verse 17 of chapter 1 on through chapter 2, ending at verse 10, and just being reminded of your provision, being reminded of your great mercy that you displayed towards Jonah and that you have displayed towards us in saving us. Thank you, God. May we, um, may we bask in that truth this morning. May it never get old to us. May it never get stale to us. May the gospel become even more beautiful to us. Lord, may the Lord Jesus be beautiful to us more and more. Help us to cling to him. Lord, would you save those who are listening in who may not know you, God. Please save them. Oh, in, in your mercy, you allowed them to tune in this morning. What great mercy. May they not resist it any longer. May they not shun it, Lord. Don't let them. Save them. And if any of the believers, Lord, are, are stuck in sin, Lord, would you rescue them out of their sin? Would you rescue them out of their shame? Would you uh, draw them closer to you? Help them to fight, Lord, sin and Live a life that's worthy of your gospel. Help me to do that. Help us all to do that, God. We need you. Help us to know that salvation belongs to you alone. And we trust you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.